when I was a young kid, or up until I was uh, finished high school, I always wanted to uh, work on a farm. And I ended up working on a dairy farm um, and a cattle farm. It was actually the largest farm in the Upper Kangaroo River. And I used to work there on my holidays. I loved it. Let me see. I've got a little slide here. Um, just the Google shot of uh, where I used to work. We'd milk 70 head of cows uh, in the morning and then we'd do another 70 in the, uh, in the evening. We had pigs. There was 150 pigs. I had to move the electric fences. I had to move the irrigation pipes. Absolutely loved it. And I've always wanted to be a farmer. So uh, I-, I thought when I leave school, I'm going to be a farmer because I love meat. So the best thing about cows is you can eat them. You know, but um, being a farmer was the closest thing I could get to the food, so you look after it and then you get to eat it when it's time. But uh, anyway, um, the farmer, his name's Keith, good friend of mine, he talked me out of it. He said, Ken, don't do it. He said, you'll only ever uh, be a farm hand. You'll never own the farm. He said, it's kind of got to be passed on generations. I went, oh, okay. He said, go and get a trade and, and, and then come back if you want to. And I went, okay. The funny thing about that was, I remember as a 16-year-old being interviewed, my father was sitting next to me, and the boss of the company that was offering me this trade says to me, I'm in his office, and he says to me, so why do you want to become an electrician? I'm all of 16. And I went, I don't. (laughs) I want to become a farmer. His face went white, my dad just went, oh. I still got the job for you. I became an electrician anyway. And you know what? The great thing about it was um, four years after I finished my trade, two weeks after I finished that, I went straight back down the farm and I worked there full time. I love working on a farm, okay? Now, the reason I do that is because I love working with animals. I love milking the cows. I love rounding up. We used to go out into the high country and, and bring the cattle down that had been feeding all year and we'd send them off the markets. It was all part of it, you know, riding the horses and all this. Which is probably why I like this movie, City Slickers. Okay, now this was mentioned a couple of weeks ago by Sam. And as Sam mentioned in one of the services, it's one of my top ten movies. I love City Slickers. Has anyone seen City Slickers? Yeah, okay, so a few of you have. Let me fill you in, those who haven't. Um, It's about New Yorker. His name's uh, Mitch Robbins. He's played by Billy Crystal, as you can see in there. He's just turned 39 years old. And right in the middle of a midlife crisis, as you do when you get to around 40. Is that right, blokes? You kind of start to go, and Nathan's turning 40 in just a couple of months, so, you know, hey, I think we could probably get him a cattle muster for his 40th birthday and send him up into the high country to look for for cows. That'd be fun. Um, But he's fit for... for, um, uh, Mitch Robbins, Billy Crystal, his friends Phil and Ed, well, they're also going through a crisis also, um, they get him a two-week southwestern cattle drive for all three of them, okay? They're New Yorkers, and they go to the southwest to round up cattle, take them on the muster, and bring them home within two weeks. That's right. You can just imagine what it's like. Three city slickers from New York riding horses, mustering cattle for two weeks. Well... It's a wonderful story because they're out sleeping under the stars and they're learning about themselves, they're discovering things they never knew about each other as well as about themselves. And it's on this cattle drive that these three men come to grips with who they really are and also about the things that they need to change. In particular, Mitch. 
and it's in the midst of this, this, this cattle drive that Mitch comes to ask this very important question, okay? And it's, it's asked of him by someone, and it's this question that I want to leave with you today. It's the question I want to leave with you today. This question is put to him by the boss of the cattle drive. His name's Curly. That's, he, he's played by Jack Plants. And he's quite a tough guy, Curly, um, but he's also very wise. And this is what he does. He asks Mitch this question, which leave Mitch to kind of work it out for the next two weeks. What does this mean? I want to show you a little bit um, of what that might look like. I've just got the video clip here. Have a, have a listen and listen to the question that uh, um, Curly puts to Mitch. Cowboy leads a different kind of life when there were cowboys. They're a dying breed. Still means something to me, though. In a couple of days, we'll move this herd across the river, driving through the valley. Oh, <laughs> there's nothing like bringing in a herd. See, now that's great. Your life makes sense to you. <laughs> My wife basically told me she doesn't want me around. She read it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just saying. Uh, how old are you? 38. 39. Yeah. You all come up here about the same age, same problems. You spend about 50 weeks a year getting knots in your rope, and then, and then you think two weeks up here will have time for you. None of you get it. Do you know what the secret of life is? No. What? Your finger? One thing. Just one thing. That's great, but what's the one thing? That's what you've got to figure out. Curly, uh, he makes an interesting observation about all the blokes that come up to the cattle drive. And he says this. They spend 50 weeks in the year getting knots in their rope, and then they think spending two weeks moving cattle will untie it for them. Just let that sink in. Do you know what he's talking about? Do you agree with what he's saying? Let me show you how I untie my knots. This is a camping ground called Browlee. Now, I think I've got... Yes, it's down the coast. It's about four hours' drive from here. We go here every Christmas for three weeks. We put up our tent about here. This is Browley Surf Beach, and this is the, the clubhouse. It's a patrolled beach. So we pretty much get up in the morning. We've been doing this for about 10 years now. We get up in the morning. We go for a swim after breakfast. Then morning tea, we come back, and we end up being about here, which is a swimming pool. I think I've got that there. There it is. Because in the heat of the day, it's too hot to be on the beach. So we come back. We swim, we lie around, we go and have lunch, then we have a sleep, and then we go back down the beach again, okay? That's three weeks of untying my knots. This is where we stay. Now, this is probably the part where the women are going, you're what? Three weeks like that? Well, Fiona loves it. Is that true? You have to say that because they don't believe me. Yep, here I am untying my knots. Sitting back there, having a coffee, just cruising. It's a lovely place to be. And I think that's why Curly had these truths to say.
to Mitch. I think there's a lot of truth in his word because what we end up doing is we spend two weeks on holidays and it doesn't really, though, untie the knots in your rope after you spend 50 weeks of the year tying it up. For me, it's three weeks. I get an extra one. But, you know, we have lots of knots in our rope in this life that we live, isn't there? I've got a rope here because, see, what happens is there's those meetings you have to get to at work on time and really you don't get to be with the kids. Then there's those projects that are all around the house, you know, the the leaking tap that you'd really love to fix. It's in the backyard but you can't get to. There's the grass to be mowed. There's, oh, I haven't seen my mum and dad for two weeks and then they only live in the Shire. I can't even get across to see them because I'm so busy. And you know what? This is what happens to your life, isn't it? There's people to see that you don't see. There's places to go you don't go because there is so much to do in our life. And over our 50 weeks of the year, we end up spending a lot of time tying knots in our rope. And a rope like that is useless when you want to use it to do what it's used for on a cattle drive, which is to catch the cows. Now, I think Curly was onto something when he challenged Mitch. He said this, do you know what the secret of life is? Mitch says, no, what? Curly holds up one finger. You saw it there, and he said this. And Mitch, being a bit of a funny man, says, what, your finger? And he goes, no, 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 it's one thing. Just one thing. And you stick to that, and all else means nothing. Oh, that's great, says Mitch. But what's the one thing? And Curly answers him, that's what you have to figure out. And you know what? It's that one thing comment that's sort of left hanging in the air for the rest of the mustard drive on on Cine Slickers on the movie. What's the one thing? How do I find that one thing if that's the answer? How do I find it? Will the one thing really fix me up? Will it? Well, I want to show you a story that comes out of the Bible. You see, there's a a doctor in the Bible, Dr. Luke, and he wrote a story about this. He tells us, let let me read it with you, um, about a lady that he meets when Jesus was coming into a village. And it goes like this. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. You hear her frustration? Her knots getting tired? But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. Now, let me just say, when you hear Jesus say the name twice, you've got to step and listen. It's a bit like when my mother calls me Kenneth. (laughs) When she called me Kenneth, I go, what have I done? What have I done? So please don't call me Kenneth because I get very nervous. Okay. Well, Jesus does this. He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But look at this. Let me turn it over. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing 
is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. You see, this woman that Jesus met, his name's Martha, as we just read. And she has this sister named Mary. Let me unpack this for you. Now, Martha invites Jesus back to the house for a meal. Good thing to do. Honourable thing to do. She wants to have this man who's been walking the countryside doing amazing miracles, feeding 5,000 with just a few loaves of fish and bread. Um, The lame are walking. The blind are seeing. He's got a huge crowd following him. She says, would you like to come back for a meal? And he goes, love to. Let's go. Woohoo. She's got Jesus in her house. Now, the thing about it is, I'm not sure how many came with him, okay? Um, the doctor doesn't tell us this. We do know, though, that these sisters had a brother named uh, Lazarus. Um, but Dr. Luke doesn't even mention him in this little story. So he's not even mentioned. So I. I think we can safely presume that the number wasn't important to doctor, otherwise it would have been mentioned. But something happened here that gets Martha all upset, and it has to do with her sister Mary. Now, I don't have a sister. I've only got two brothers either side of me. So I don't know. Can sisters get you upset? (laughs) Natalia's preaching it. She's going, yeah, preach it, preach it. Well, it gets Martha upset. It all has to do with Mary. Apparently, while Martha's rushing around, getting all the food prepared, what's Mary doing? She's sitting down at the feet of Jesus, listening to him talk, listening to him to tell his stories. She's listening to him and enjoying his company. She's enjoying his company. Now, Because Martha's left to do all the work, she gets a bit fed up with Mary's um, laziness, let's call it, and she complains to Jesus. It's interesting. It's a a bit of a triangulation going on here, you know. There's Jesus, there's Mary, and now Martha brings, hey, Jesus, you should be saying something to her that uh, brings her back to... Not good place. So Jesus has to say a few words to her. And and what he says is quite revealing. He's going to tell her two things, basically, and you can see them written up there. Firstly, he names what's going on inside her. And then he uses Mary as someone to imitate. Now, that would be annoying. Your sister, you're going to need to imitate what she's doing. But he does these two things very clever. First of all, he says this, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Wow. How does he know that? Well, he's the son of God. He knows what you're thinking right now as I'm speaking, whether you like it or not. (laughs) Like me or not, I should say. (laughs) But he knows this about Martha. You are troubled and anxious about many things. It seems that Martha thinks the problem's Mary. See? It's all about Mary. She's not helping me. Man, we've got this this meal to prepare and she's sitting in front of him. I, I actually invited him to the house, by the way. Martha's thinking, (laughs) and she gets to sit in front of him. But Mary knew that Jesus had something more to offer than Martha knew about. And you know what? In a way, she's a bit like Mitch, isn't she, this Martha? Her rope's all tied up in knots. That's what it says there. She's anxious and troubled about many things. And that's what Curly's saying to Mitch. 
He's saying, you blokes, you come up here, you spend 50 weeks getting anxious and troubled, and you think two weeks mustering cattle is going to untie all your rope. It just doesn't work. Notice it says she's troubled and anxious about many things. Not just she's troubled and anxious about the meal. There's lots of things that are going on in her life. She has lots of knots. Lots of knots. So my question to you is, if Jesus was able to talk to you about your life, what comment would he say to you? What comment would he say to you? Do you have many knots? Are you troubled and anxious about many things? And I tell you what, it's not hard to be in that place. It's not hard to get into that place in the society we live in, in the 21st century with uh, our... What did someone say? I read this the other day. The telephones in our pockets, they're called shock collars. You know, you know what a shock collar is when dogs have it around and they bark and that gives them a bit of a shock? Well, that's our telephone. Oh, there goes a buzz and oh, there goes a tinkle and then oh, there goes another. It's a shock collar. And, and you know what you do as soon as you feel that shock? You've got to pull it out and read it. Oh, okay, I've got to, yeah, yeah, oh, look at that. Wow, that's a beautiful cake they're eating. Wow, yeah. I'm glad they put that on Facebook so I could see what they're eating. That's a, that's a lovely... Put it back in my pocket. Oh, there it goes. That's our life, isn't it? Come on. So do you have knots? So Jesus offers her some advice. One thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. There's that one thing again. But this time, notice, it comes from the mouth of Jesus. This time it comes from the mouth of Jesus. And he tells Martha this. Mary has chosen the one thing and he's not going to take it from her. This is what Jesus tells his sister. Mary has chosen the one thing and he, that being Jesus, is not going to take it from her. So what's the one thing that's according to Jesus? Well, I think and I believe... And you can see from the story, so you can deduce this just as much as I can. It's what Mary's done. It's what Mary's done. You see, Mary has chosen to stop and listen to Jesus. She's chosen to stop and listen to Jesus. In other words, she's put her focus onto Jesus. She's put her focus onto him. In the midst of all that's happening around and the rushing around of her sister, she's gone, you know what? This Jesus has more in the answers that I want for life than anything else. And that's where her focus is. You see, Mary had stopped. And I think what Jesus is saying is she's got her priorities right here. Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many, many things. But Mary's actually brought her focus in onto me and she's put me in first place. And if you can get me into first place, Martha then your life is going to be a lot smoother and you'll start to untie some of those knots that you're all tied up in. Now, don't get me wrong. Eating is important. I don't want to take that away from Martha. I'm all for eating. I'm looking forward to what we're going to have afterwards. Okay? And we, we die if we don't eat. Let's face it, okay? So eating is important. But Martha... and, and uh, Can I just also say, I mean, that's the very reason Martha invited Jesus as well, wasn't it? To eat. <laughs> so I don't think Jesus is saying the, the eating bit, you know, just forget about that. 
It just wasn't the time. What you can see that here, I think, is Jesus is saying, there's more to this. And you can see this by the way he actually responds to Martha. You see? Yes, the meal's important. He actually came on her invitation to have a meal. But you know what Martha, he's saying? There's something more important than you doing the doing. There's more to it, Martha, because I can see that your doing of the doing has actually just bound you up and your life is all over the place. (coughs) He says, in this hectic world, you need to stop and connect with me also. He says, Martha, you're frustrated with many things. Now, I think he's actually saying, you know, it's more than just your sister, Martha. You're frustrated with many things. And, in fact, I've got the answers to what you're searching for. And, in fact, your sister gets it. Your sister gets it. Now, I know sisters, brothers, you know, you don't really like to have the younger sibling or the older sibling being used as the one you should be looking at. But right here, Jesus is going, your sister gets it. What about you, Martha? What about you? You know, um, this troubledness and this anxiousness, it, 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 it destroys us. It pulls us down. It takes the clarity from the rest of the things that are important. And that's what Martha was doing. She had Jesus in her midst, the one that can answer, have, who holds the answer to life, and she couldn't even see him. Mary saw him. Now, maybe you're asking, how can he make such a bold statement? How can he make such a bold statement? Well, let me answer that by saying it's because of who he is that he can make such a bold statement. Jesus said this about himself. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, he didn't say, I am a way. He said, I am the way. Okay. He didn't say, I am a truth, part of the many truths that if you walk along this, you'll... F-. He says, I am the truth. And he didn't say, I am a life, choose me over choosing that one. He said, I am the life. In fact, he makes this bold statement. He says, no one comes to our heavenly father, God almighty, except through me. Now, that's a very bold statement. And that's where you need to know who he is so you can understand why he says this. You see, Martha's all tied up in knots and he's the only one who can help her to untie those knots. How does he do that? Because he's the creator of life. That's what he's saying there. And he knows what we need to be able to untie our knots because he is the creator. I'll give you an illustration. If I have a problem with my car, now I'll choose a car, a Honda, NSX. That's the kind of car I would like to choose. Do you even know what a Honda NSX is? Yeah, Yeah, those who love cars do. Okay. It's not a Civic. Okay. Okay. This is like a beautiful Honda sports car that is the highest. It's beyond anything you can think of. But if I have a problem, if I have a problem with my Honda, I will go down to here. It's only little. 
But that is number 48 Anderson Road. It's about 10 houses down from where I live. And Grant owns the car shop. I do all my servicing and my car servicing. Grant looks after me wonderfully. I would take my Honda down there. I go, Grant, there's a problem with my car. I don't know what is happening. He said, leave it with me. I'll look after you, Ken. It's fine. I wait a couple of days and I get this phone call. Ken, it's Grant. Guess what? Can't figure it out. It's beyond me. I think you're going to have to take it to Honda dealership. So, okay, I ring up the Honda dealership there at Sutton's at uh, Homebush. I've got a problem with the car. My mechanic can't look at it. Okay, bring it in, show us what it's all about, and we'll see what we can do. So I take it over to Honda dealership. They look at it. I get a phone call three days later. Sorry, Ken, we don't know what the problem is. We're going to have to contact Honda in Japan. We're going to have to go back to the creator. We're going to have to go back to the designer, the architect, the one that actually knew about the car, designed it in the, you know, the, the clay mould and then fitted all the parts to it, designed it, put it all together. He's the one, or they are the one, that knows everything about this car. We've got to go back to the creator. That's where, you, that's where it has to go because that's the one that made it. And you know what? It's the creator, the designer, that has the answers to the problem. Curly said to Mitch, you need to figure out what the one thing is. And Jesus says, come to me and I will show you who the one thing is. Come to me and I will show you who the one thing is. Jesus is saying, I can untie your knots. I can untie your knots. Now, the thing about untying knots, it's not found in what you do. Martha was doing a wonderful thing, serving him. It's not found in what you do. You can do a lot of things. You just, it just wears you out. Jesus is not found in the things that you do. It's not found in what you own. It's not found in what you own. What do I mean um, by that? Well, toys break. Doesn't matter what you have, you know. You buy a boat, and salt water eats it away. It's so annoying. Or you, you know, you buy a fishing rod, and and it gets jammed, and 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 whatever it is, toys break, and and you end up with what I think is called buyer's remorse. Do you know what buyer's remorse is? Do you ever get that feeling at the end of it of being let down? I just paid a hundred bucks for this thing, and it was going to be the answer to my life. <laughs> And the thing broke. And I feel let down. This was the answer. See, it's not found in what you own. It's not found in how good you are. <laughs> I'm glad about that. Because you know what? Oh, I won't ask Fida to you, but I'm not perfect. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> you see, it's not found in how good I am because I'd have to be perfect really to be pleased with myself because I'm not pleased with myself. I make dumb mistakes. I made a few this week, didn't I? <laughs> She's laughing. I did. Oh. But we're over that now. We've moved on and we've made up. It's not found in how good I am. It's not found in what you achieved either. You know, the, your education, your academic training, your social status. It's not found in any of that. And praise God, it's not found in becoming religious. No, you know, isn't it interesting? <laughs> Some people read this story, what Jesus is going on it, and they go, I just need to have a better quiet time. I don't think Jesus is talking about having a better quiet time to Mary. She's sitting, she, he, 
Or she is giving him her, her, her attention. That's not a quiet time. Quiet time's important, don't get me wrong. They're just an avenue and a means to connecting with him. That's important. That's where you find Jesus. Jesus doesn't want you to become religious. So do you want to know where it's found? It's found in stopping and listening to Jesus. And if I could put it into one word, what Jesus is saying to, Mary, uh, to Martha is, it's, it's found in connecting to me. It's found in connecting to me. You know, I read this article last week in the Sydney Morning Herald. I don't know if you, any of you saw this. The 26th of August. It's written by a lady named Elizabeth Ferrelli. She's, I find this interesting, but she's a, an author and she's um, a journalist, but she's also the Associate Professor of Architecture at the University of New South Wales. I'm thinking, well, how do you write articles like this and you're in charge of architecture, which is a wonderful thing. I'm just going, where's the connection? I want to show you what she said. Here we are in paradise, Australia, yep, yet millions of us are depressed. The more science we pour into fixing this disease further, the sadder we get. Are we missing something here? Could it be that depression is not purely a physical sickness but a spiritual malaise? Read the article. Now, nowhere, I, I, I looked at her blogs, I looked at her on um, Wikipedia. I don't think this lady is a spiritual person. I, I can't find her anything that talks about being in a church. or. Any, but she's gone, you know what? This society we live in is nuts. Maybe what we've really forgotten is the spiritual side because she said, I've tried everything else. And she talks about, you know, <laughs> she goes through it all. And she says, but maybe what we've forgotten is there's a spiritual side to us. And maybe that's where the answer is. You see, it's all about being and living in this anxious society that ties us up in knots. And she's saying, just maybe the answer is found in a spiritual dimension. And Jesus holds that spiritual dimension. He is the author and creator of life. He's the one we need to go to because he's the architect that designs us and knows how we tick. And Mary understood it. All those knots that Martha had, Mary's just sitting on the floor going, I see the answer right in front of me and I'm not going to move. doesn't matter how hungry I am. I am not going to move while he's here with me. And she got it. Jesus is saying, I am the one who can untie your knots. So I want to leave you with this question. Would you like to know how? Would you like to know how this Father's Day? Well, Jesus wants to tell you how. And he gave us a hint right here. But one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion. And it will not be taken away from her. You see that word chosen? Mary chose to stop and listen to Jesus. She chose that. It's going to have to be your choice. She made the choice to connect with him. And I suppose that's the challenge that I want to leave with all of you this morning. Are you going to choose to stop and listen to Jesus? Let me just tell you, he had to do it while he was here. 
He often removed himself from the crowd and went off and sat with his heavenly father to get time out to undo his knots while he was on earth. Why shouldn't we be doing exactly the same? And that's the challenge that all of us, I think, will need to have this morning. Unless you make the choice and slow down enough to listen to Jesus, then you'll stay tied up in knots. And that will only strangle you. Okay? I'm going to close there. But if this has made some kind of sense to you this morning, if if there's something there that you're going, you know, I want to know more, I want to understand more. I don't know every one of you in this room this morning, by the way. So what we normally do from the platform here is give you that opportunity to say, hey, Jesus, I want to stop. I want to know you. I want to connect with you in some way. And we do that to start with by praying. So I'm going to ask if everyone could just close their eyes. Can we pray this together? Great God, I admit that I have not had you in the first place in my life. I'm sorry I have sinned against you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for my sin. Thank you for making a way back to you through Jesus' death and resurrection. And today I want to follow Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. I want to trust and obey you forever. Amen.